and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the decks. This is the first episode of season five. Oh my God. What a journey we've been on. I have learned so much over the past four seasons and that does not stop. This season is probably our best yet, if I can say that. We have some incredible guests from the worlds of electronic music, rap music, soul, a whole range, all sharing their journeys and their experiences with us, all working towards and championing a more diverse industry. Kicking us off this week is Naomi Kimpenyu, who released one of the most beautiful EPs I have heard in a long time. It got a lot of championing on BBC Radio 1, as well as being played on Love Island. Here she talks about recording the EP herself and how she found the confidence to do so. Naomi Kimpenyu on Hot Girls. Let's go. Ladies, gentlemen. Listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. When it came to this EP, because I recorded everything myself, that was the struggle in the in the early days. And I think when it comes to like music to technology, I almost like think of it as like a, a bit of like a beast that you have to like tame in a way. Because yeah. Do you know it was be, it's, it's me or you logic one of us is gonna like have to get it together do you know what I mean so I had to figure a lot of things out and in the beginning it was small things like this the mic not working or I come in and for some reason things just aren't working everything's plugged in great I've asked you know the people that own the studio like the gear isn't working and they've come in and they just don't know why it's not working. Those things in the beginning definitely made the journey a lot harder because it's like, I'm just trying to grapple with this. I'm trying to master this, but like, it's, oh, it gave me a fight. It really, really did. You know, it's so get it because it's so frustrating. Yeah. You're just trying to create or put out there what you, what is inside or what you're kind of hearing. And then you literally can't. And you're like, well, is this, am I just, is this not supposed to be? Like, what is this? With, I remember with a song with who I am on the EP, I remember early days, like I would recall the piano through like a MIDI on my laptop. And then I'd bring up the project on the big computer. I don't know. Maybe it was the devil working against me. I don't know. But for whatever reason, if I played it on the big computer, bearing in mind, it's still logic. I've not changed anything. Everything was out of time. Everything. And I just remember like being in here, pulling my hair out. Why are you doing this to me? I haven't done anything to deserve this. <laughs> Literally, like, why is this happening? But, you know, I think those early uh, struggles were actually quite necessary because it's something like that. Something like that doesn't happen to me today. Like, I just know how to finesse and just get things to I'm like logic listen you're gonna listen to me today we, we need whip to it into work. shape then oh, <laughs> it's like I've got I've got things to do music to release you are gonna listen today those testings are so painful when they happen yeah. but it's the best place and time for it to happen yeah when you're like well there's no one here to really see this so like I kind of can mess up infinitely or oh, go I'm, through yeah. as many kind of painful processes because yeah no one else is going to know. And then. it's still early. I mean, if I was mm. going through that now, that would be very embarrassing if I was going through like, like little things like that now. 
but you kind of have to go through things like that so you could just get to that play wait place where you figure things out for yourself and I think part of my story has been I've made a lot of mistakes in this process but I think those mistakes were crucial because I learned so much and actually was able to make the music that I wanted to make because I made mistakes and mm. wasn't afraid to make them and experiment who I am it's so interesting hearing you say about that song as well because a, it's a beautiful song and it's my personal favorite of the EP. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have your, oh, maybe I'll ask you that later. <laughs> it is my favorite, actually. Is it? Yeah. Um, there's something about the sound of it, though, that it's like, it feels like you're there in that moment, like expressing yourself fresh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that song, I think, is today, I think, the most deeply personal song I've ever written and actually I think when I first wrote it because I wrote it like end of 2018 Mm. I almost didn't want to like I was almost like afraid of it because it's so raw it's so Mm. honest it was a time in my life when I didn't feel good enough when I didn't feel like I was worth anything and to say that you know I've overcome it's it was there was a, you know, there was a time where it was just too honest. It was too, yeah. too vulnerable for me. The story behind the song, I think, was also a story about triumph and trials and error. Even though I, I just, you know, previously mentioned that, you know, I recorded it on MIDI and it wasn't working. Like I actually ended up scrapping that whole MIDI version and actually recording real piano for, for mm-hmm. the track. But like, there was just so many things. Vocally, I was in my head a lot with the song. So it's in, I know my manager, when he was here, he, like when he came to studio sessions, he's like, you know, I'm going to kill you, right? Because you don't need to, you do not need to record this again. I'm going to record it again. <laughs> you know what's insane is the fact that I would go through all the trouble, drive myself mad, record the song again, and go, actually, you were right, the first version was better. Yeah, like the first one. Yeah, just needed to check. Just need to check. <laughs> just wanted to do due diligence. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to check. You know, if I didn't do this, then I'd be singing my whole life going, I should have re-recorded it. But I think that came from a place of like, just not feeling that I was able to deliver the song mm-hmm. in the magnitude that it, that, it, that it needed to be in. And I think in the beginning, I was in my head so much about the whole the whole process of this EP because, you know, I mean, I had recorded my own stuff before, but to make a whole project and to be responsible for every single component, it was overwhelming. And I think that's what made some of the journey a lot harder for me. I think I was making it harder for myself because I just didn't believe I could do it. Mm. Well, that song, the recording now sounds so brave. And maybe that's part of it because it was part of overcoming that vulnerability and that space that you had between yeah. feeling those emotions and like going through that. And yeah. Being like, okay, I'm doing this now. I'm putting this EP out. I'm creating it. Yeah. To the most perfect possible point that I can. And I'm like the biggest perfectionist ever as well. That's what also made things harder for me as well because it had to be perfect but perfection Mm. doesn't really exist and I had to come to a place where I felt comfortable that the music was good enough that it was great where it's at and in my head I actually had to just end up telling myself do you know what save for the live version you know that thing you want to re-record 
do it for the live version, do it for the live version, because I just knew we'd be here all day and all year and all my life, just re-recording, re-recording, trying to make something perfect when it already is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So your kind of comfort blanket for yourself is essentially saying, you've got a second chance. (laughs) You had to feel that way. Which is mad, mad. but I think after after we take it, after I mix it and like we master and we put it out, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Mm. As it is, you know. But exactly as you say, probably if you hadn't done all those re-records, you Mm. might be thinking the other way, like, yeah. Well, Naomi, I wanted to wind back because I was wondering when you actually started playing piano in the first place. It's a good question. I started playing piano as a child, like Mm -hmm. tinkering. I never took any formal lessons and I don't know why I didn't take any formal lessons but I'm self-taught on the piano from a child like I'd always just play the piano and tinker and like I went to like a, a music school on the weekends when I was a child and these kids who were classically trained pianists they would teach me like Fair Elise and all these other songs and so I kind of got the technical skills from them and then when I got into college, I went to a um, another music college. It was paramount to my development as a songwriter that I knew how to play and to play mm-hmm. well. And at the time, like I was working with other pianists and other instrumentalists. Like I just write the song and sing. Like I had the melody and the lyrics, but I had no chords. I had no music behind it. And I take it to these pianists and they'd basically figure out the chords but I just felt like that wasn't enough for me because in my head, I didn't hear that chord. I didn't hear mm. it in that way. So I made it my mission. I was like, I'm going to learn how to play piano and I'm going to play it very well so I can articulate what's in my head, you know? Yeah, because as soon as you hand over to someone else in any capacity, they're oh, yeah. adding themselves into it. And that can be a great thing. Yeah. It's part of the beauty of collaboration. But exactly as you said, when you're trying to compose something and you know what you want it to sound like. Yeah, yeah. I can see that being frustrating. Oh, 100%. And I needed to make it clear what I what I wanted to hear. And at the time when I was learning piano in college, I didn't have a keyboard at home. So at home, what I would do is I'd go on this website. I think it was called like Key Chords or Drumbot. And you could drag in um, guitar chords like, mm-hmm. and you can like make yourself like a four chord progression loop. And and I used to write my songs that way. And then so I'd just take what the chords were and then go to college and then Google how to play B flat minor, how to play this. So I think in some ways that kind of pushed my level of piano playing up quite a lot because I was playing quite some quite advanced chords quite early on in my in my journey but yeah I think ownership is important yeah and did you are you someone who doesn't get too frustrated by the learning process because that's very dedicated of you I think to kind of keep going back and to self-teaching and to finding space and time to to kind of obsess piano as a youngster I loved music but I couldn't really be bothered with my piano lessons and stuff. Yeah. I wasn't very diligent. So I'm yeah interested to see how whether that was just a natural quality in you. I think that is a bit of a natural quality in me. I'm a bit of a nerd, I feel like. I, <laughs> always, like, you, like I could tell you like random facts about like the 16th century, which is just me, just me knowing things. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I love to learn and I felt so connected to the piano for some reason. I, I felt like we were just so connected 
And so when you feel that connected to something, I was like desperate to get it and to play well, you know. Mm -hmm. Similarly to you, though, when I was in college, I was offered free guitar lessons (laughs) and I took them. The guitar and me, we just didn't resonate in the same way that I did with piano. I just feel like when you have a story to tell, when you have a song to write, you, you will go above and beyond to make it happen and and make it happen and learn how to do it, you know? Yeah. So then what was the process leading up to actually writing and recording an EP? It sounds like you made the decision to create one yeah. maybe a little while before you actually, between then and the release, the actual release of this one. I mean, the EP, I think, has been in, in the works for a long time. A lot of the songs are like, quite old I'm pretty sure only is like maybe approaching four years old so I've always had like you know I was writing songs always was tinkering about and things like that and we were always kind of working towards an, a project of some sorts an EP you know the track listing the amount of songs were always you know up in the air and things like that but I think at the time we were kind of I guess doing the traditional route I was just working with lots of different producers and I felt like in my soul again I think it it resonates with the pianist who couldn't articulate what I had in my head Mm. I felt like these producers weren't articulating what I want to put in the world Mm. and I felt like it was one of those things where like this is your vision and I'm just singing it whereas I needed someone to help make my own vision and that person kind of didn't appear ever. <laughs> like that person <laughs> was still looking for that person to come on board and help me build my vision. And then I had already, I had recorded only on my own before. And I had a conversation with my manager and he just said, look, you're the one that's writing and recording these amazing songs. Just do it yourself. Alicia Keys, when she was like in her early days of songwriting, she was in loads of studio sessions right. and basically like all her whole first album, she recorded by herself in her time outside of those studio sessions. Cause she just didn't really like the music that was coming out of those sessions. And I do think sometimes if you're, if you're a real songwriter, mm-hmm. then that is such a part of what you want to put out as much as anything else. So I, I completely understand that even though you're adding loads of challenges <laughs> and what do you think the biggest challenge was of the actual recording process and and making that decision to record it yourself I think the challenge was me as in like me kind of doubting myself had I not have doubted myself um this project would have probably would have been finished and out like maybe a year ago or so but when you are constantly doubting every decision you make it's hard for you to do anything and you, you can kind of be like crippled by the fear of it not being perfect you know the recording mixing and production these are things that you can always learn on and improve on and and things like that and yeah I made some mistakes in in each of those things in my journey but had I had my mindset from day one been like I can do this I'm able to do this I think that would have made the whole journey much more manageable much just much easier like I would have had like a better time in the beginning there was a point during the first lockdown where it just clicked for me and I was kind of like you know what I'm not making this music for anyone else but me even though it is out and other people (laughs) but I was like 
I need to only impress myself and that's it. And then when I decided that, that's when the EP was finished. I mean, <laughs> they, I say finished in exclamation mask. I, I went back and recorded <laughs> strings for who I am. It never really ends with me, you know. Had you played many of your family or friends much of your music before you recorded it on the EP? Or did you have a moment where you were like, this is it, guys? Both. Yes and no. Certain songs they had heard live when I used to do like live gigs back in 2019. So songs like Yellow Bridge and Who I Am, that was part of my live set. Songs like What About Me and Only, um, only they the first time they heard it was a recording, like an early recording of it. And What About Me, the first time they heard it was also when I, a recording of it. And that's just because, you know, things came about at, at different times. What About Me, I had written it or started writing it in 2019, but I didn't finish writing it until I would say May 2020, or June 2020, actually. Mm-hmm. So they kind of had an idea of, of some of my other songs, but they didn't kind of have like the overall project there with them in, in the early days, no. And then once you'd actually finished it and you were like, okay, I am ready to step back and put it out in the world. What was that process? It sounds like you'd already worked with your manager for quite a while. Yeah, we'd, we'd been working. I think we'd been working for like five or six years, maybe. Um but yeah, we we were just ready to put it out. I mean, we was itching to put it out. We had been mm-hmm. working together for years. And I mean, he's been so patient with me and my journey to coming to a point to put music out. Because mm-hmm. I, I think we both felt like we didn't want to rush putting out anything. And there's, you know, Only, for example, has had so many mixes, you know. It's been mixed by so, like, a couple mix engineers. Mm-hmm. Same as some of the other songs. And those early mixes, if they were still up, I wouldn't be happy with them, you know? So when when it came time for us to finally put stuff out, we were kind of like, okay, we know we're ready. We know our strategy, how we want to approach things. And we're just good to go. And we, obviously, when I put out only, um, that was like in the middle of lockdown. So I guess the strategy kind of changed a little because we would have hoped to have been doing live stuff during that time as well. <laughs> But I'm just, uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I'm just lucky that um, like the, the radio really picked it up. Like um, Jess Izzat and Jack Saunders really championed my music very, very, very early on. Like it was a time where it felt like I was getting spun on Radio 1 at least once a week. Well, I was looking at your Twitter and it's like Radio 1, replay, Radio 1, replay. And like for the first EP, that is insane and and amazing and so exciting. You must just be like, oh, they're doing it again. I, my, so my dad, <laughs> my dad is like, he owes, like I owe Jack Saunders and Jess Izzard a drink. He's like, I'm going to buy them a Coca-Cola or something. Like. <laughs> He's just so appreciative of the fact that they play me on the radio so much, you know. And it's so organic as well. Like, mm. you know, it, it feels like a real natural progression. And through that, th- those initial, you know, plays on the radio, that's kind of where we started building mm. our fan base and building listeners and like getting that out there and letting people know, Look, this is Naomi Companion. It's Naomi, she's serious, she's here. She's here, she's not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. And, okay, I don't watch it and I don't 
Well, I suppose you have to say you do, even if you don't now. But you got the Love Island play and the the size of that audience, I know, is like literally the biggest in the UK. So, again, that's really big. Do you know how that happened? Yeah, I mean, I will say in in the way that I, I kind of brought it forward to happen, I remember like I was having like this deep conversation with God and I kind of said to him like as a joke, do you, do you think we could get it on Should we go for the Love Island play? <laughs> so if, if it doesn't happen, it's all right. I'm not, I'm not greedy, it's all right. It's all right. And he goes, tell that to your manager, tell that to Luke. I was like, okay. So I told him as a joke, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we could make this happen? But he is like a, he's like a soldier. If you tell him like, you know, I, I have this idea, he's going to make it happen. And he reached out to their 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 sync team and played you know sent them sent them the music and you know they're kind of just like okay cool we like it you know I'm like okay okay I love that your manager's like if you heard that we need to go from it like that is specific so let's just make it happen I'll never forget like he called me I think the day of he called me at like I think it was like 9 a.m right and I'm I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm like, I'm usually like, don't kill me and before 10 a.m. My brain is not on, right? Which is bad. I need to, I need to get better at that. And he was like, could you send me the PRS code for only? And I was like, yeah, what do you need it for? Do you need to send it right now? Like, what do you want, sir? And he was like, they're going to play on Love Island tonight. You better get up and... and <laughs> go, go, go. Yeah? Send me the code, yeah? Get up. It's 9am. Get up. <laughs> you know? And we sent him the code. And even though they had sent the forms through, we had to sign, like, the agreement, I still didn't believe that they were going to play it. Because I was like, no. I'm like, imagine if they don't. Would they change their mind? These days, that would be like, you know, in Fr- I don't know if you're a Friends fan, but you know when Joey gets all his friends around and his family to watch his scene in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, he's cut out. <laughs> well, yes, yes. So I didn't want that to happen to me. So I was like, you know what? Like, once if I get confirmation, then I'm a I'm a tell my friends and family. And like thirty minutes before the show started, we got the confirmation that it's in tonight's show. So I've already started ringing up. Oh my god, playing it tonight? What you don't get off? Like, my friend was at work. Bless her. I said, it's on the island. <laughs> she's at work bless her she's got love island on her phone like watching it live and like when it first because i for some reason i thought that they'd play it maybe later on in the show or something like that and like i'm watching the show with my sister you know my dad's super excited but he's not a love island fan so. i was gonna say probably the first time he'd watched it maybe <laughs> yeah and i actually was like to him i'll just call you when it's on it's just because love island isn't like something you're gonna watch with your dad you don't want to watch it with your dad no <laughs> And my dad has a thing, like, till this day, like, I'm 22 years old. If there's a film on and people are kissing, my dad's changing the channel. Like, He's like, oh, 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 don't, you don't need to see this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dad, I'm a grown woman, right? But so he was in the next room. I'm chatting with my sister, like, the show's on. I've actually low-key forgotten that this is why we're watching the show. Because I watch Love Island anyway. I enjoy watching the show. And then I was like, that, that piano sounds quite familiar to me. Wait, it's my song. Like the song comes on, I'm like going nuts. I call my dad in, and my dad's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" 
And my dad is the type, bless him. He just talks over everything. I'm like, Dad, I can't hear it. There's no yelling. I can't hear it, right? So my dad's settled down now. And like, as I'm like in awe of them playing the song, right? I'm like, it's been going on for a bit, it's on for a bit you know? Like, because I thought they'd play like 30 seconds and that's, mm. like, I would, listen, that's enough for me. That's a, that's a blessing in and of itself enough for me. But as they played it for like three minutes, like almost the whole song. I was just so in awe. And it's like, when I was watching it live on telly, it, it just didn't feel real to me. Like, um, am I putting on like the song over? Or am I like, this is not real. Then, yeah, you're like, is everyone else getting the same version on their TV screen? <laughs> Maybe they just hacked onto my TV and just put on the song. Because yeah. I, I don't believe this. And then after the song comes um, off, I couldn't even go on Instagram. My Instagram's like blowing up from like people who's heard it on the show. Oh my God, I've just heard your song on Love Island. It's amazing. And I'm just there like, like I had a sore throat because I just couldn't stop screaming. My friends were calling. You know, it was such a triumph mm. We had worked so hard to get to that point, to get to a point where the music is being celebrated on the national stage. It it, it was amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll honestly never forget that. You said you kind of had that conversation with God and that triggered the conversation that you then had with your manager. Are you yeah. quite a consistent, do you have quite consistent conversations with God or do you pray or what's your sort of spiritual practice? Oh yeah, I'm, I love to pray. And I actually think the process of this EP made me more reliant on God and it strengthened my relationship with God. I mean, I've got Jesus tattooed in. I've got it tattooed. (laughs) Not going anywhere. You know, but I needed strength from an outer source. You know, Mm. I needed that kind of divine kind of like, it's going to be okay, you know? And yeah, like I think me coming to God actually, I think actually transformed my not only my life but me being able to finish this EP I remember in early April I think late April May when I was like okay I'm gonna go back into recording this EP like I was so worried I still had those anxiety that anxiety and that fear I just remember like God speaking to me so clearly and he was kind of just like do the music and I'll do the rest and it was kind of like, okay, that's enough. And then when I'm speaking to God, like a lot of the things that I was dealing with or the issues that I was grappling with was like not being good enough, not being able enough. And God's like, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You can do this. I've seen it. I've sent you down this path. I wouldn't send you down this path if I knew you couldn't do it. That kind of like confidence, you know, you can't shake that. That's why I was able to finish it off. When God says, you know, you just have to finish the music and you, I'll do the rest. Listen. You You're just, like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll just do the music and God will do the rest. And he is doing the rest, you know. Everything is going just organically. Everything is pushing forward. And all I had to do was like trust and believe and just focus on the gift that he's given me and mm. the music, you know. Maybe that's why you were such a perfectionist though. Cause you're like, this is my only role. <laughs> I need yeah. to get. I don't do anything else. But this, we're going to get this right. Yeah. You know? It's obviously like a very much, um, you've been building on your craft and working on your songwriting and your singing and your music for for a while. But 
in terms of actually you're releasing, you're at this quite like formation foundation part of your career. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got good people to turn to or advice or have you had bits of like little nice nuggets from from people that yeah definitely my vocal coach number one is someone that I genuinely don't know where I'd be if I didn't meet him he is someone like I'm like oh my god just what I'm doing oh my days like listen (laughs) I mean he just he's just there to give you a good word to really push you you know my manager is someone else that really just is there to like really support me and really push me. And I have like a good network of people in the industry that are like, I consider my close friends that whenever I am having a dilemma or I don't know, or I need advice, they're there to be like, okay, this is, this is how you should do it. Or this is my opinion. And I think that support system is so crucial. You just need it. I mean, every person needs a support system like that to kind of like, when you feel confused, you go to that person and they kind of like encourage you. And yeah, it's early days for me, but um, I think we've made a great, a great start based off of, not, not only based off of like conversations that I've had with my manager and decisions we made together, but just the support system we have as well. So have you been able to perform this live since you actually released the EP? No, not at all. I haven't performed live since September 2019, which is a long time ago. Wow. I mean, that was like my last gig of that year. I did lots of gigging that year. I did like Notting Hill Arts Club. I did Bushdog. I opened for uh, a Cape Verdean artist um, by the name of Maya Andre. Like good lots. And I, I think it was a great you know platform because I wanted to you know do that put out music and then continue doing those sorts of gigs um but then the pandemic hit and then I just went total focusing on the music getting the music right but um we're still um me and my live agent um we're still kind of plotting and planning shows for the end of the year and early into next year like headline shows and opening for people because I miss singing live Mm. you know I think to hear something live you know it it just adds like another dimension to that song and to the experience of the listener it's a surreal thing isn't it because you record these songs and you put so much into them but exactly as you say once you've done it and you've put it out there in the world yeah, it's really not yours anymore. It's kind of then it becomes the listeners and it takes on a, its own meaning for them. So performing live, you get a little bit more of like you get to see those people a bit more. And yeah. It probably feels a bit more real than when you see like a play count go up oh, or a yeah. message or whatever. And you're like, that's cool. That's nice. That's an interaction. But I don't know how that person's experiencing it. Yeah. You know? And in my head, I'm just like, how can you how can I I can't imagine like I think Last time I checked, I'm on just under like 4,000 monthly listeners or whatever. I can't imagine 4,000 people, you know? You know, once we get to that point where we're doing live and we've packed out a room, then it feels real. Like this isn't just Mm. just like YouTube comments. This isn't just tweets or Instagram DMs. This music is making waves in the real world. So I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to that you know to really and when it's like four hundred thousand people and then you're gonna be like i've never seen four hundred thousand people no literally i'll be like i've never like in a room like i always try and imagine four hundred thousand people in my bedroom like you could fit them all in all in here like it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to but 
that's just how many people that your voice and your music has affected you know that's I think that's really powerful I think that's really cool as well and yeah that would be quite special I think going back to live and feeling that energy again oh 100% how are you in terms of like when it comes to your next output are you someone who's constantly writing constantly creating or are you in a space or I mean you're in a studio now so I imagine so to a point but or are you in a space where you're like just enjoy this enjoy these songs um a bit of both if I'm being honest I feel like I haven't gone back to like hardcore daily songwriting yet, which we will get there. But right now, me and my manager are kind of this next project that we want to release at some point next year or the year after. We kind of want to now bring on some people Mm. and just finding the right, you know, producers, instrumentalists come on, on board for the next evolution in what I'm what I'm doing I've got lots of songs kind of archived already songs I've written over the years you know I'm a, I'm a real writer I'm always I've always got something now we're thinking of like okay this person could be really sick you know this person can come on board and we can create something something magical so yeah it's a bit of both I think once I find the right people then it's going to be like all systems go don't speak to me for three months we're writing a record you know that kind yeah. of yeah who are the artists maybe this year that you've been excited by their work or that you've had a repeat and feel free to look at your Spotify or whatever if you need to or Apple Music or Amazon <laughs> well I think off the top of my head while I load up my Spotify <laughs> um Yeba is that, mm. I think that's what I, one of the things I admire from her is the fact that she can sing like like she's an artist where I'm like you can bloody sing. Same as Mariah Carey. I got really into Mariah Carey this year. And basically my manager got me her memoir for Christmas. And I was like, thank you. And I read it during lockdown. And I just have never felt so connected to someone like a celebrity or something, because I think, you know, she really, really did grind. Like she really came from nothing. And when you hear her early stuff, that woman can sing. She can have, listen, she's insane. That is so interesting. And I actually just want to hear a bit more about it because Mariah Carey, to me, doesn't come across as the most relatable down-to-earth person in the world. Oh. She has this sort of like diva aura. I think that's because I, I think I've, I always hear people just need to read her book. Mm-hmm. When you read the book, I think you understand her a lot more. And yeah, like she's got like this, diva or around her now that's not necessarily what I connect with with her I think it's funny to be honest with you like her little like she's a diva and she deserves it yeah the woman was like she she spoke about you know basically having nothing like sleeping on floors being hungry going hungry she said I remember off the top of my head she said something in her book like if she had a studio session she'd have to choose between eating and getting the train there but but the music is, is, is great like she can really sing and also is an amazing songwriter I mean listen your whoever your favorite is is kind of like did your favorite write 19 number ones I don't think they did you know mm. so like she she can write and she's extremely talented like that's why I just I just love her you know the final question I have for you Naomi is what would you describe as your happy place where is the place that you feel most like at one with yourself? That is a good question. Can I say that I don't think 
there is a place, a, a place you go to and you feel at one with yourself. I think it's a presence that you feel. And obviously, like, I am a Christian, so when I feel most at peace is when I'm in prayer, if I'm being honest, mm. because everything kind of feels whole and complete when I'm in prayer. But also when I'm in the presence of good friends, like I've got some good, good friends around me. That's when I feel very happy, you know, when we're laughing about the dumbest of things when I'm with my family as well. Like my dad is like my best friend. I love him so much. And he knows that. That's why he annoys me (laughs) all the time. (laughs) When I'm with him, when I'm with my brother and my sister and my mum, that's when I'm, I'm happy. And I always say like, you know, Uh, I have no immediate plans to ever move out because I just love hanging out with them so much. So yeah, happiness isn't a place. I think happiness is a presence. Mm, That's really beautiful. And I agree. I love it. I was thinking, I was reflecting earlier on it. I was like, I think when I feel good, like when I feel good, I kind of feel good wherever I am. Yeah. Mm. I think if happiness is a place, then you can't be happy until you're in that place, you know? Mm. There's like a lyric by in a disclosure song that I think always resonates to me. It's, home is where the heart is, so I gave it to you in a paper bag. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, home is will be with you wherever you go and you don't have to be in a certain place to feel happy and to feel home. Amazing EP, like huge congratulations. And I'm so excited to hear more from you and hear all of your new music that comes out. If people are listening and they've just been introduced to you, they've probably heard you on the radio already, but where can they find you? Where can they look you up? Um, They can look me up basically on any platform at um, Naomi Kimpenyu. Kimpenyu being spelled K-I-M-P-E-N-U. And yeah, basically just do a Google's. Google's. Is it a lot of giggles? I'm not hard to find. I will also say I love your press shot. Thank you. Stunning. Thank Just you. Just like beautiful, like very kind of like classic. I think, I think with press shots, it's like, you know, it's, it's something you really have to think about. Like, mm. who am I as an artist? What do I want to put out? And I thought, you know, it reflected the music, the press shots. Very classic, dark. What up, let's? 